It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Raider Nation! Raider Nation! Modelo! Modelo! Yes, Raider Nation! Welcome, Cafe Americano, as we kick off the draft at Caesars Palace. We are here because of Modelo, the entire team from Modelo. Got a great show lined up, noon to two. I had a dream that we'd have a radio show on the strip during the NFL draft. Come on down, we're here till two before the next party at Dre's from three to eight o'clock tonight, the official Raiders draft party, and I'm thrilled to be here as we kick it off. Hopefully a very exciting day today. Hopefully the wind dies down. We're not golfing today, so it's not a big deal. Hopefully the wind dies down off those fountains. And again, we are right in front of the main entrance at Caesars Palace. If you're checking in off the main lobby, we're outside on a beautiful deck, shade here. And I, ha- I look at all these buckets of Modellos, man. So the Modelo team is here. I get a chance to kick off the show with Paul Gutierrez, who joins us from ESPN. Thanks for coming down. JT, thanks for having me, man. What, a, what an event. What is the excitement. Cool? You could cut it with a knife. I oh, mean, it, it's awesome. Ice-cold Modellos <laughs> and a Raider draft. Let's get into this because yeah. there's a lot of news. I think the celebration should be for De- Devontae Adams. There isn't yeah. a pick here. Do you sense that the Raider Nation gets that and it's not the typical looky-loo, who are you going to get in the first round, who's going to be there, and everybody can just enjoy the fact that the Raiders had a great offseason? I can say from my perspective as a beat writer covering this team, I'm, I'm enjoying not having to worry yeah. about three first-round picks or who are they going to do or all these uh, uh, mock drafts and things like that. Because really when you look at it, with the first-round pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select Devontae Adams. With their second-round pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select Devontae Adams. And that's a proven commodity. That's the best receiver in football. There's still a lot of questions how that's all going to jive. But at least with this college quarterback and Derek Carr, it looks like a, a win already, and you can give a thumbs up for these way-too-early draft prognostications. Yeah, I think Dave Ziegler got it. He had an opportunity yeah. to pounce. Let's go back to Devontae Adams. We're going to talk a lot about him today. How did the deal come together? Because it looks like Carr was involved, their best friends. Ziegler had to know that maybe the Packers weren't going to be the perfect fit for him. I'm just surprised Aaron Rodgers didn't do more after signing that extension to do it friendly enough to keep his star receiver. Well, and a lot of it was just what Devontae wanted to do, right? right. I mean, he's, he's a California kid, and when Devontae was introduced to, to the media, he spoke about being a California kid, growing up a Raider fan, uh, that a lot of his extended family back up in Palo Alto uh, never had a chance to see him play live because Green Bay's a long yeah, ways away. Absolutely. Uh, now to go down here from San Jose or Oakland or San Francisco, it's an hour and a half flight. Um, that was a lot of it. The other telltale sign to me was, yes, he was tagged, but he never signed that tag. So when he that tag that made that opened up a lot of eyes and a lot of possibilities and and Derek and and Ziggler and and, and Josh McDaniels they'll be the first oh no, no no there was no tampering going on but you know there had to be some back channel uh conversations and who's going to stop players from talking to each other right it's amazing it was an easy road for him to stay with Green Bay and get yeah. have another chance at a championship or get his first there I- Surprised that it happened so easy. So I'm giving Derek a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Working the back channels there, and I know, you know, not to tamper, he wasn't working it that way. They just right. happened to be best friends. What have you learned about Dave Ziegler here in the first couple of months? And 
you know, the access that you get here at the top of the ESPN? What's he like? Uh, the sense I get from him is that he's just a guy. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's happy to be in the position. He's, he's getting his big break and wants to impart his own vision on things. Now, in New England, there was no doubt. The hoodie was running everything, right? But he got to watch and he got to learn. And the sense I've got not only from Dave but also from Josh is when they're making these moves and when they're talking to us, they're not looking over their shoulder to think, oh, what's Bill Belichick going to say? What's he going to think? Right. This is their show. Mark Davis has empowered them to run the football side of things here to all of their credits, and, and you kind of go from there. Ziggler, the thing that he impressed me with the most, JT, and you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, is the first day I meet him, I go off to the side, and we, we have a quick little one-on-one, -on -one, and I ask him how Vegas is going. He asked my opinion. I said, well, actually, I went to UNLV. And right off the bat, he starts ramp naming off all the starters from the national championship team. And the one that impressed me the most was the first name. It wasn't Stacey Ogman. It wasn't Larry Johnson. It wasn't even Greg Anthony. He said George Ackles. Wow. So he was that deep with UNLV basketball and was a basketball fan and a Vegas fan entirely. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of confluence of events here. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Uh, I want to quickly talk about the news today. A lot of people are tweeting out Mark Davis's comments on Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And you've talked about this for the last couple of years. I think Colin Kaepernick deserves an opportunity to come back to the NFL. It sounds like Mark is just talking in general about this player and having a path to come back here. A lot of Raider fans are wondering, do they mean the Raiders? Well, the proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say things like that, in all respect to Mark Davis, he told me the exact same thing two summers ago, JT, where he said uh, it, was, it was at the time, it was the last summer, two summers ago, when he gave all the employees Juneteenth off. And he was talking about starting uh, a lot of cultural awareness in the organization. And I asked him about Colin at the time, and he said ever since he became a free agent, he gave his coaches and his, fr his front office people permission, quote-unquote permission, to sign Colin Kaepernick if they wanted to. He was not going to stand in the way. So you say it again now a couple years later to a good friend of ours, uh, Monty Poole up in the Bay Area. Okay, well, uh, Nick Mullins or Colin Kaepernick? What are we talking about here? Because if you're going to talk that way and if Pete Carroll's going to talk that way, then somebody needs to sign him. And you just go from there, and, and you, you, you withstand everything that comes with it. Not that I'm saying it's good or bad or indifferent, but there will be more stuff that comes with it. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. Let's get to Derek's contract extension. You were there at the press conference. Now you've had an opportunity to dive into the depth and the language of it, the guarantees or not. Right. Give me a couple of bullet points of what jumps out at you. What jumps out at me is that it was very team-friendly. And Derek uh, definitely made some concessions to stick around. And it seems like it was a win-win for everybody. Uh, the thing that I thought was real interesting was the no trade. My understanding is it doesn't really kick in until the kicks in, which gives the Raiders three days till at the end of the season to figure out what to do. Um, they're betting on themselves. And I like that. I like the fact that Derek said that uh, he was willing to, to play on the last year of his contract. Uh, but he, he deserved an extension, no doubt about that. Um, I know he was upset with me for a couple of things that I may have written or at least hey, kind of surprised. When you get mentioned in a press conference, <laughs> the bosses back in Bristol got to appreciate that. Come on. Well, that's the point of it is, is uh, you know, he's, he's done that a couple times. He did it to me after the, the game in, on Thanksgiving in Dallas because I somehow chose the Cowboys to win that game. But whatever, right. you know, and, and I've had a, a pretty good, good back and forth with Derek. I, I can't see what he writes on Twitter these days, though, because he blocked me, JT. He blocked me. Well, I hosted the Derek Carr show when he had his best season ever. I think that's one of the reasons I'm not blocked. But uh, Derek's great. I spoke, yeah. I spoke with him afterwards. 
up in the TV studio, and he's so he was so happy yeah. for his family. He's at and peace. He's at peace, and he's got kids now who are getting a little bit older. They're still young and toddlers. That they were in the building that day. His wife is unbelievable, yeah. and Derek's done an unbelievable job keeping the Oakland fans, the yeah. LA fans, the fans in Fresno, Bakersfield, which you know, all engaged here. And now he's a big part of the community here with his faith and everything he's doing. He has a sense of what this organization means. He has a sense of of uh, the history of the organization, if nothing else, and. That that is huge. And there's, there was a couple things he said in that presser that were reminiscent of what he said back in 2017 when he signed that extension, which was uh, at the end of the day, he just wants to win. And what's different now uh, from back then, in 2017, he said stats didn't matter to him. This time he said, I want to be at the top of a lot of these stats. Yeah. And that to me, I'm like, okay, I kind of I dig that because that shows that he's got a pride in it. But he also wants to be holding some trophies, too. And that, at the end of the day, is what it's all about. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. We are live from Cafe Americano right in front of Caesars. Indoor, outdoor. One of the coolest places I've ever hosted a remote. We are right on the strip. If you're walking down Las Vegas Boulevard, get to Caesars and come on in and sit down with us. All right, let's get to the roster now coming into the draft. Last year... I was on, and I was a little uncomfortable because I had an idea of what they were thinking of doing, but I wanted them to trade over the top and get Micah Parsons. And I said that hosting the draft because I thought they could get him. They were at 17. They'd have to get to 8 or 9 in front of Dallas to do it. He was gone. I think he would have been a generational player here. They can't get the linebacker position right. They can't get right tackle right. In the third round, if they don't move up, what's the priority? It's still, it's interesting. It's still got to be best player available, right? Yeah. Uh, do you reach for a position? Do you do you go get if there's a wide receiver that's the best on their big board? Do they do it? Do they do they stick to their guns and say, and, and and prove what they said? They're getting best player available regardless of position. I, I don't know if you can do that because at 86, there's still going to be some quality offensive linemen out there. I think they need to stock up on that offensive line. They still need to stock up on some cornerbacks, yeah. especially with the contract situations of those guys in the future. Um, and, and linebacker, same thing. It's funny you mentioned Micah Parsons. Last year on our ESPN NFL Nation mock draft, guess who fell to me? I drafted Micah Parsons, and I said he in my video, he dropped to me, and I said wow. in my video, now, is this really going to happen? No, but if he's here, thank you very much. What ha- well, Leatherwood, I give Leatherwood credit for being available. Yeah. You know, there's a, that's a big term around here with Coach Gruden and even before that. If you're not available to play, Tom Cable told me that too, on and off the record. He needs guys who are healthy. And ever since Trent Brown and even before that, this offensive line, Paul, you cover them at camp, you watch the preseason, and they usually come out of it with one or two guys banged up, and there's a problem from the beginning of the season on the yeah. offensive line. How important is it for them to clean that up? Well, that's exactly where it all wins. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer that games are won and lost in the trenches, right. that that's the most important. And, and whether it was uh, John, John Madden or Tom Flores believing you build a team from the interior of the line out or from cornerback in, it still comes down to offensive line. And you're right, uh, abil- availability is the best ability. And for Leatherwood to be out there, look, did a lot of people scratch their head when he was the first-round pick? Yes. But if you would have swapped Morig in the first and put taken him in the second, you would have said, okay, slam dunk, I like that. And that's the two players they got at those positions anyway. So, yeah, it, it, as, as Josh said at, at the NFL owners' meetings and before, uh, Alex is going to be better because he's not a rookie anymore, and he got a lot of experience. Now, bad experience, good experience, it's all experience. An Outland Trophy winner yep. from Alabama has got to hit. I mean, yep. this can't be you know, a player that's going to be a starter on and off. He's got to be a star in this right. league, and hopefully that's in front of him. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. So when John was here with Mike Mayock, 
I, we all knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, Mike was a sharp guy. He was going to give his opinions, but John had the final answer on all that. Some picks worked out great. If you look at what Mike liked with Hunter Renfro and Mad Max Crosby, and then some of the other picks that didn't work out here. What do you think the communication is going to be like with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and what Josh wants yeah. to get this team to go from 10 wins to a Super Bowl? That is the, the question that I have yet to get answered this offseason, JT, was I remember Mark Davis telling me last year that it was a 51-49. Mm-hmm. John Gruden had 51%, right. Mayo got 49, which means, well, John has final say. I don't know who has final say here. I would imagine that Josh does uh, when it comes to, to he and Ziegler, but – they are really simpatico because they come together. And, and it's, you know, this is the new world of the NFL where the coach hires his boss, basically. So I would assume and imagine that the coach has final say here. But Ziggler has all the experience in the world of player evaluation. So it's really going to be a lot more of a confluence, I think, between the two of them in making these decisions. And they've been together for so long that I think they like the same exact type of player. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's, it's definitely a thing. We covered the offensive line. Now I want to go to the running backs, especially Josh Jacobs. What are expectations on a contract extension? You know, I don't think you could have a running back that gets you 50 yards a game. Right. You know, we grew up in a generation where a running back got you 100-plus a game, yeah. and that was considered, you know, 1,500 yards was a really good year. Now it's 1,000 yards. It doesn't make much sense to me. He played well down the stretch. I loved his energy in those final four games. Yeah. Have you talked to him? Are you sensing his off-season conditioning and he, what he wants to do to prove it to this new regime? I haven't had a chance to catch up with him. Uh, just seeing the pictures of him at, at the the uh, mini camp and and the uh, the workouts and things like that. And and he looks he looks a little different. Uh, I don't know if it's the bigger hair or or what it is. But uh, there was something that Josh told us at the uh, NFL owners meetings was that two running backs were rehabbing. He wouldn't tell us who they were. But we know that Kenyon Drake was rehabbing. Sure. Uh, and when he was asked specifically about Josh, he just re- repeated, we've got two re- running backs that are rehabbing right now. So what that is, I'm not exactly sure at this point. I need to dig a little bit deeper when we get more availability and, and talk to some people about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I expect him, as Derek said himself, the happiest person on that team with this offense should be Josh Jacobs. Does that mean more touches? Does that mean more carries? Does it mean – what does it mean? Well, the fact that he did play strong those last four games of the season, that was different because he p- kind of petered out in his first two seasons down the stretch. He did. Not his fault, but he got hurt. Uh, he was hurt in the middle of the season, wasn't really used a lot in the middle of the season. Then he came on strong at the end for that playoff push. And that's the guy they need. With the uh, deadline for the options to be picked up on Monday, that's something else to keep an eye on this weekend. Wrapping it up with Paul Gutierrez. So on the defensive side, Chandler Jones, yeah. most sacks since 2012. We're talking over a 9-10 year run. Those are incredible numbers here. How much does he have in the tank? I can't see this being more than a two- to three-year window with him. So they really got to get a lot out of this player right now. And his success is going to be contingent upon a lot of what Max Crosby does too because you can't double-team both guys because then somebody's going to run right up the middle and have a career year. So Chandler is linked to Max. Max is linked to Chandler. Uh, He's a more polished. uh, He's definitely His resume is definitely more sterling than than uh, Unique Ngakwe's was last year, and Unique played hard. He did. But um, this, we're talking about a, a generational guy, a guy that uh, could potentially find himself in Canton one day with a couple more strong seasons. So um, how much is left in the tank? He can only be the one to tell you that. It's going to be real interesting to that see That is him, a really important point because you know this, and we've talked Hall of Fame. We've been connected with that. Yeah. When you're on the verge of being a Hall of Famer, You've got to get those last two or three seasons. Michael Strahan was the best example of that. He was a very good player, but the last couple of years, that Super Bowl rung, getting the ring really put him over the top. I like Jones, and they got to get a lot out of him. We moved to Max Crosby. 
What a story in all your yeah. years covering this team. Is he one of the top two or three most unique players, draft stories, and guys who put out that you've ever seen? He and Darren Waller. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, and oh, Darren, we're getting to Darren Yeah, now. yeah. We're getting to Darren now. <laughs> yeah, Max, it, it, it's, it's great because he, he gave me the opportunity to break that story last year that he had been in rehab. Um, and and there's, there seems something there. You know, there's a lot of uh, interest in, in sports-type documentaries, mockumentaries like Winning Time, things like that. I, I think it sounds like he would have a good story to, that Amazing. a lot of people would, 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 uh, would tune into and listen. I mean, a kid from, from Texas who had to go play in Michigan, uh, who was a day three draft pick and who signs a near $100 million extension and, uh, you know, while battling uh, addiction and uh, drinking and, and things like that. So to be able to do that in Sin City, you know, in Las Vegas. Great it, it's a great it's a great story. You, it's one of those guys where you find yourself rooting for somebody. And, and I remember asking the great Jim Murray when I worked at the L.A. Times sure. a long Glad time you. ago, do you ever have a hard time not rooting in certain games? He said, no, I don't, I don't root for finals. I root for stories. And that's one of the guys you root for because of his story. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Uh, a couple more players on the back end before we get to Darren. Jonathan Abram, I've been trying to root for this player. Yeah. I want to root for this player because when he came in, we remember the first game where he only played the first half against Denver. He yeah. lost his full season. He's talking to George Atkinson about him the last couple of years. Everybody loves his leadership, yeah. what he's done in Vegas. There's been problems. Henry Ruggs, what else has happened here with Arnett? But I love his leadership ability and wanting to be a Raider. But i got to assume... This camp's going to be really important preseason for him because he's got to prove that he could cover better if he's going to stay under this umbrella of Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. And with the new defense as well. I mean, what type of role is it? Is he a, is he a too high safety? Is he going to be down exclusively in the box? I mean, if you're only a, a guy that's playing against the run, that's a high price to play to pay for a first-round draft pick. So he needs to show a little bit more versatility. Um, there's, no, there's no questioning his desire. The guy wants to be out there. It's just the coverage skills. And, but that was always going to a question when he was drafted. So, uh, you know, this is a, a make-or-break year for him, in my opinion. You still got that veteran that's out there in the Honey Badger. I don't, you know, the Raiders are freeing up more than $20 million in cap space come June 1st, June 2nd. Um, again, something to keep an eye on and see exactly. He's a guy that needs to grow, and uh, the cover skills need to come with that. Paul Gutierrez, as we wrap it up, I was on Milwaukee Radio two days ago on Darren Waller. And, I, and I'm saying, what's going on? Because Cheesehead TV, yeah. a website, said this. Now, where there's smoke, there's fire at times. Yeah. I think the Raiders have Darren Waller, an unbelievable human being, a great player, coming off an injury, yeah. and they have him at a really good salary. And that's Darren's choice. He decided to do sure. that contract and extension. He has to play under it. What do you think of the deal, the money, and what he's owed down the road? And could he be a chip next year? He could possibly. Uh, there's no doubt that, that when that story came out, it's like, wait a minute. I mean, would you rather have an established star like Darren Waller? Or would you have a first round or a second round draft pick? I mean, if you trade him away, in my opinion, you're just you're you're weakening your own team. Right. So so you keep him there. You got to keep him happy. Uh, he does have a new agency, so that's something also to keep an, keep an eye on uh, what the agency wants him to get. Um, but I am real interested to watch him, and I'm actually writing this. I don't want to scoop myself, but I'm writing this in the next few weeks. Is how does this new coaching staff, how does the addition of Devontae Adams, how does that affect him and his stats and his numbers for this new agency to look at and go, wait a minute, now my guy's numbers are all the way down. Now you're, you're lowering my guy's value. Darren, I'm sure, just wants to play. He knows his story is, is, is just as impressive and just as remarkable, if not more so, than, than Max Crosby's from the, the depths of hell that he's come from with addiction. And he's been more than open to talk about it. So that, to me, is one of the big storylines of this coming season is 
how is Darren going to be used? Because, again, in that fateful last series at Cincinnati in the playoff game, the quarterback never looked his way, and Zay Jones got two targets, and Hunter Renfro unfortunately fell down. So now with Devontae Adams there, Devontae Adams is, is the guy. We know this. There's no doubting that. Well, does Darren Waller accept now becoming kind of a second or a third wheel? Finally, how much would Cliff Branch have loved this today? Oh, Could man, you Cliff. imagine him in the suit walking down with all the rings and everybody stopping him? I mean, I get emotional talking yeah. about him because when Cliff and Mark Davis came here, and they were taking all those introductory meetings, and Cliff was yeah. with Mark for all of them. Yeah. And they're going around town, and Cliff was one of those ambassadors who was telling everybody back in the Bay Area, this is going to work. And yeah. he was a diehard Oakland Raider. And I think about him every day, the importance of his induction this summer in Canton, Ohio, and what does it mean to the Raiders. It, it's huge, and especially from, from Mark's perspective. I mean, that was his best friend. And uh, it's the ultimate and bittersweet for Mark in talking with him and in talking with his family. You know, I, I was able to write the story. I was able to, to kind of resurrect the story because I thought that Cliff was going to get in two years ago when yeah. he, when he uh, was on that Blue Ribbon panel uh, committee. But the fact that he's finally getting in, it, it's well-deserved. And, and, you know, I had my own relationship with Cliff, too, and, and it's sad. It, it's, it's sad. He was one of the great guys. He's one of my biggest sources, uh, one of my biggest kind of proponents, too, in terms of talking to people in the organization and telling, hey, you know, Paul, Paul's fair. And that's really all I could ask for when I in covering I didn't know this that. team. That's yeah, great. He Isn't did. Fantastic? You have that with Coach Flores, too, yeah, over the decades. And, and, you know, and those are guys that, as a kid, when I was a Raider fan, you know, I had to put that away now. I was covering yeah. the team. But as a kid growing up watching the L.A. and the Oakland Raiders back then, you know, Tom, Jim, Cliff, those were my heroes, so to speak. And to have professional relationships with them later in life and to watch them both get in the Hall of Fame, um, it, it's been really rewarding and remarkable. I Gosh, I just wish that the Cliff was here to enjoy it. But you know somewhere he's just smiling that, that megawatt smile. 100%. What's the rest of your day look like and tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, just kind of hang out here, get a sense of, of the vibe, and then I'll head up to the Raider facility and, and see if they do trade in the first round, which I don't see them doing. So, uh, you know, whatever they're serving for dinner, that, that's on the menu for tonight, JT. But this is phenomenal. And it, like I said, as a UNLV alum and, and as a kid that was here when UNLV basketball was the only thing in town, uh, I never thought I'd see this day. So it it's really is phenomenal. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you coming here JD, live. JD, thank you for having me. Paul Gutierrez, appreciate him coming on. And we will come right back. We are courtesy of Modelo here. We got a great crowd. Come on down. Seats still available. Raider Nation, let's hear it. Raiders, here we go. All right, Raider Nation is my guy. Great turnout here. Thanks to everybody who is here. Come on down. Harry Ruiz will join us. Vinny Bonsignor next hour. We got koozies, we got shirts, and we got buckets of Modelo's because JT drinks Modelo on the strip on Raider Nation Radio. I believe in Colin Kaepernick, and he deserves every chance in the world to become a quarterback in the National Football League. I still stand by it. If our coaches and general managers want to bring him in or want him to be the quarterback on this team, I would welcome him with open arms. Mark Davis, and that's getting a lot of run today on Colin Kaepernick and his ability to come back to the league. JT, live from Cafe Americano, right out front of Caesars, brought to you by Modelo. You know I have my bucket of Modelo on Friday. I'm having them on Thursday and Friday. We're always supporting Modelo, and they are treating us like family today. Come on out. If you're a Raider fan, 
get it out, get it going on social media. You need an hour or two to get your drink on, have a good time. There's not a better location on this strip for a radio remote. Get the word out to Raider Nation. Violator joins us. My first time introducing the Hall of Famer live with me. Good to see you, my brother. How are you? Appreciate it, JT. Look, man, uh, we go back so many years, and we've grown so much as individuals and leaders. Uh, it's a blessing just to uh, be able to share this moment because this is an epic moment in Raider Nation history. I can't remember. I, can, I remember, but I don't know how many times I would come out from the tunnel, and I'd go to you first, and you were there for warm-ups. Every opponent, every coach, every team knew they had to get by you first before the game started. Uh, you did an unbelievable job in Oakland, but your story in Vegas is really unique on coming to Vegas and the journey to the Hall of Fame. Definitely so. Um, being as I don't haven't had season tickets for the last two seasons, I've been blessed to not have missed one game. Think about who's riding with you on those moments. Uh, and all these moments are special because time is short. We've seen players come and go, coaches come and go. But that passion that is the Raider Nation, we won't let that die. What do you like about this? What do you like about Vegas? Maybe your expectations coming in, you weren't that sure about it. And now has, how has it grown for you and your experience on game day? Definitely wasn't that sh uh, sure about the environment. I look at it this way, JT. It's New Frontier, and I'm here as a pirate to conquer it. I love it. You know, it's, nothing's ever going to be Oakland, from the tailgate to the parking lot to the black hole to where you sat right there. It's never going to be that, but it's something new. It's a rebirth here. Did you ever think we'd be doing radio in front of Caesars Palace with the draft and the Super Bowl coming to Vegas? Think about it right there, brother. Did you think we'd ever be sitting here talking about the team outside of anywhere else but Oakland? But there's a sparkling pot of gold at the end of the rainbow out here trust me and it will never be oakland all of us that grew up witnessing those moments we know that was a special place in raiders history in our history and in the world's history there will never be another oak town trust me violator joins us the hall of famer by the way inducted in Canton, Ohio. So what did that mean to you and your family and your close friends when you were on this journey, you got the call, walk me through the trip to Canton and how life has changed since? Well, it started with a phone call from a good friend of both of ours, Howie. And uh, this came through me via Fox and uh, that I had been nominated. But I'm thinking this was all like a big joke. I hadn't entered because of certain things that had changed. But if you keep walking the path, he shows you things at different intervals in life for a reason. So I was entered in this contest. I'm doing an interview with Fox. They wanted to find out some in-depth stuff about me, you know, stuff other than what they'd heard. I get a knock on my front door right in the middle of that interview. So you know how I am. I'm locked in. <laughs> and now I got to, like, uh, stop tape. Who the hell's at my damn door? <laughs> so he had rung my doorbell. I got a long hallway. So I'm walking down, and I don't see anybody through my stained glass. Who's playing games? So now I'm transforming into violator by the time I get there. I snatch the front door open, and Howie does a pirouette from around my garage, and all I see was flat top, gold jacket, and that grin. 
And I'm like, you're in on this. He's like, got you. Can you believe, we're talking to Violator, his Hall of Fame story. I was in Canton when he got inducted. It's Howie Long. Yeah. I mean, he's at your front yeah. door with the yeah. gold jacket. So that happens. You get to Canton. What was that experience like around all the Hall of Famers and having that proud moment? Think about it. You're in the same room with the history of the NFL. Imagine that as a kid, yeah. 12 years old. Amazing. As a grown man now, looking at these guys who are just gentlemen of the game, gentlemen of the sport and their ambassadors, which just propels me further along with my journey, just being an ambassador, man, being able to, to talk about that passion that you feel on game day. You can't manufacture that anywhere. But to see these guys get their bus and their jacket, I go in with Ford, I get my blue jacket, a ring, and a plaque that will be in there forever. Life immortality. Violator, now my goal is to get that guy, Gorilla Rilla. Rilla's got to get in the Hall of Fame. What can we do to get him into the Hall of Fame, one of the great ambassadors in all the sports? All we need to do, we pray first and we walk with him all the way to the wall. I love it. Uh, as we wrap this up, expectations this year team there was a lot of problems off the field there was a lot of duress but this team in the last four games won out made the playoffs and lost to the eventual afc champions as you know cincinnati two years ago had two wins the year before only four wins raiders are coming off 10 so when people say i don't know if they can win the super bowl i go whoa cincinnati were a two and then a four win team if they could do it and the raiders had them dead to rights in that game and weren't able to kick the door in are you happy with Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, the Derek Carr extension, and believe that the Super Bowl is right in front of the team? Absolutely, on all the courts. Getting these key players, these key dogs, as I like to call them, is a true blessing to us that we haven't seen come into reality. But there's a new regime. We had to get used to that spiritually. But it's about business at the end of the day. And the business is we want another Lombardi trophy sitting in that case saying we did it in three different areas. That would be unbelievable. Last one, I'll be back with you this summer in Canton, Ohio for Cliff Branch. Richard Seymour, another former Raider. Uh, how cool is it going to be as we celebrate, uh, celebrate Cliff all summer long? It's the summer of Cliff Branch, as I'm calling it. Long overdue. Rest in paradise, brother. Speed still kills. Long overdue. One of the guys that I was admiring as a young kid, how he just devastated defensive backs. Now I'm watching the defensive backs, but I'm getting a clinic on speed. That is true Raiderism right there. You can't coach that. That's within. And that's what this is all about, man. Going there, being with his family, giving him his flowers, even though he can't enjoy that aroma. We'll enjoy it for him, but it's always Raiders for life. Absolutely. Everybody, let's hear it for Violator, the Hall of Famer. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks for having me, brother. Congratulations on all your success. Violator here as we get rolling here. When we come back, Tommy White's going to join us from the 872 Laborers. One of the reasons we're here and we're having this unbelievable remote is because that stadium was built on time, on budget. It's nothing like that thing they built in Inglewood. Whatever that, uh, whatever that is, we have the greatest stadium now in all the sports. The Super Bowl will be here coming up a year and a half from now. We're excited about that. And we're excited about Modelo, our proud partner. Have a bucket of Modelo's with me on the strip, live from Caesars.
Vegas coming ahead with Mike Amadio. He must score. Amadio towards the net. Backhand saved by Lankanen. And in Dallas, the clock runs out. The Stars and Coyotes are going to overtime. Dallas gets a standings point. The Knights get none. And the Golden Knights will miss out on the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. JT back with you. Turn it up. We're excited. Courtesy of Modelo. We are at Cafe Americano right out front of Caesars, one of the best locations we can have. And we are partnered and sponsored by Tommy White and the 872 laborers here in Vegas that do everything for us. He's been a proud partner of ours all years long, and especially as he stepped up again for the draft. Great to see you, my friend. Thank you, JT. Pleasure to be here. We just played the final call of the Knights being eliminated. I see you often when we go to <laughs> Knights games. You know, I work at night, so when I try to find you, I am in shock. I am in absolute shock with Eichel, all the stars, Stone, Pacioretty. I understand all the injuries. They were built to win not only a Stanley Cup, but multiple runs at Stanley Cups. What happened? I, you know what? To uh, watch the end of that, that season with the Golden Knights. Um, I mean, where were, there, where were all their penalty shots? You know, it's like oh, where was seven. everything was like falling apart at the end. They would, do, they would do so good at the beginning of the game, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the other night, how do you lose it with less than a second left? Less than a second <laughs> to go. The way they lost. But, you know, we give them a lot of credit because we love we this do. team and they play hard. We do. They play it hard, but the injuries, I'm, I just feel bad for Mr. Foley. Yep. Because when you have an owner, and you know Mark Davis well, when you have an owner that puts everything into it and says, look, I'm going to give you even more. We'll go yep. get Eichel. I'm, you know, they, they had some cap issues and all that. But Mr. Foley, from the arena to the product on the ice and the fan interaction, did a hell of a job putting this town in a position to win, and they just came up short. You know, for you know, the past four or five years, we've been watching Las Vegas grow into the sports capital of the world now. Um, you know, got to give a lot of credit to the Golden Knights for, for being the team that started. Um, I give a lot of credit to Foley because he has brought that team every single year, four years. I mean, this is, this is our first year where we didn't go into the playoffs. But, you know, all we could do is look, look at the future and let's hope and pray that uh, we're going to take the Stanley Cup next year. Let's talk about what you're doing with the local 872 and the fact that you built the stadium safely and on time. When people come up to you and talk about that, what are you most impressed with? Obviously, safety is really big for you. But the fact when you were given that budget initially, take me back in the day, those first meetings with Mark Davis, Mark Bedane, our friend, back in the day, uh, Tom Blanda back in the day, when you were looking at that initial project going, wow, we've done some great things in Vegas, but nothing like this. You know, it's... um you're looking at that from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, I remember the first time I was, you know, it was brought to me and said, what do you think about building a stadium? And I wasn't really told what team it was going to be for. But we, at the time, we had a lot of people out of work, and I was like, let's do it. Um, right after that, I got to meet Mark Bedane, and, and he's, he's a fantastic friend, true friend, um, lifelong friend. Um, he, he had this vision, and, and the owner had this vision of what they wanted to bring to Las Vegas, and we knew we could do it. Um, we knew what we had to do. You know, going back, I was looking at some videos yesterday because we're doing the history of our union, and um, there's a, so much that Local 872 did to bring the Raiders here to Las Vegas. I mean, we turned Carson City into a Raiders den. You did. If... Um, if I was to show you some of the pictures about how we did it and what we pulled off back then, we went into a sports store up there 
and we we bought everything we possibly can that had a Raiders logo on it, and we plastered Carson City with that. And um, you know, I I don't the fans for the Raiders don't forget, and they remember those days. I remember fans driving through Carson City at the time. They were they were heading to Oakland, and they would stop by and they they shake our hands and they and you know it was very. You know, I don't even have the words. It, it was nice to see so many fans just stop by and, and thank us for what we were trying to do. And um, and then you look at the stadium now. Incredible. You know, it's 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 a dream come true to Las Vegas. It's a dream come true to the fans that always wanted their own stadium. Um, and they could call it their own. Absolutely. They put their foot in there. They call it their own because it does belong. It, it belongs to the Raiders fans. Tommy White joins us from local... Labor's Union 872. Now, before we continue on what's going to happen next with the Super Bowl and what other projects you're working on, I get this all the time because we're streaming big in the Bay Area and L.A. and all that. I remind people, why is it easier to do business in southern Nevada? How come you can look and see a casino getting built and it gets finished and you say, wow, I was just here a couple of months ago and it's done. The stadium, everything that's happening. Why is this so conducive to big business and sports business? The, the greatest thing we have here is the weather. We can work 24 hours a day here. Uh, we were able to prove that building the stadium, how fast we got it done. I think it was one of the fastest stadiums built. Um, we beat L.A. That was a bet I had that we were going to beat L.A. when we done that stadium. Thanks and for we that, did. Rain, <laughs> that rain, too, in L.A. A little bit of rain help, right? Um, yeah, they got flooded out they a few times. They got flooded out, yeah. But, you know, Las Vegas is, is unique because we can work 24 hours a day here. We have a county commission and we have a, a planning board that wants to work, that wants to build this city. And um, you could see, I mean, by the time we get to the Super Bowl, Las Vegas is going to change again. And, and you'll be able to see how fast the construction workers in this town will change this, this city. Well, explain that. Tommy White's our guest. Explain to me what the challenge is. You had a lot of challenges building the stadium, and you knocked it out of the park. What are the challenges with the Super Bowl? Um, I, you know, I, I really can't tell you we're going to have many challenges, you know, facing that. We know what we have to do. We have a date set when it has to, get ha- when it has to happen. Um, this new construction new and other construction, projects. I mean, wow. you're going to see you're going to see the majority of the hotels in town are going to be remodeled. Um, one of, one of the things about Las Vegas is traditionally we try to remodel interiors of hotels almost every five years. So you're going to see a lot of remodels going on. I, I know there's a lot of remodeling uh, on the books. We'll have the Fountain Blue open. We should. Um, I I don't have any really new hotels mm-hmm. that are coming up, but you know, we got we got an addition going on to the convention center again. We have the uh, Tesla cars that are all traveling on the Phenomenal. ground now. Yeah. Um, we have a train station that's supposed to be coming from California. I, I mean, I think that's really going to set this city off once again. All right, as we wrap it up with Tommy White, we got to thank him. Laborers Union Local 872. They've been a proud partner of my show for years. Tell me about the draft and the challenges here because I haven't walked the strip yet. I can't wait. When I'm done here, I'm going over to the party with you at Trey's, yeah. the Raiders party. I got, I, and I've never been a New Year's Eve guy on the Strip. So what am I going to see when I walk on the Strip here? No cars and the ability of the Raider Nation to take over. Um, let, let's just go back. Okay. Remember, right? So, so let's go back to when Las Vegas was shut down. And if you remember, there was not one person on the Strip when, when we wind up shutting down for COVID. And we were very, very lucky that we kept the stadium going. To go out there now, if, if anybody can, if you wanted to take a look at 
New Year's Eve on a strip. Take a look at Times Square on a strip. That's what the strip's going to look like for the next three days. Um, you know, we're very grateful, you know, as a resident here and as the head of the laborers union here, we're very grateful for all the tourists coming into town and, uh, you know, boosting our economy back and, and uh, bringing all the workers back out to, uh, you know, build these fantastic, um, you know, I mean, what we did building up for the draft. Incredible. I mean, um, the, the, the size of the draft and the footprint of what I saw yeah. yesterday when I picked up my credential was amazing. One question I always wanted to ask you, and, and I, you're, you're going to figure this out. I got a 20, about to be 21-year-old, and I got an 18-year-old about to be 19. And I got, they're going to get jobs and they're going to do well. How does a 15, 16, 18, 20-year-old become part of this union and have a dream to be a part of 872 and have a great career? Yeah. What's, the, what's the story on how someone can get involved? They just need to reach out to local 872. We'll get them set up with our apprenticeship program. And, and uh, we really need, we really need some, some young, aggressive construction workers coming up. Um, is that an issue now in the yeah, industry, well, getting more construction workers? I, I, I can't say it's so much of an issue for Local 872, but you can see it's an issue in, with workforces all over the place. Um, we've been able to hold our own, and, and we've been really good at it for the past 85 years. This year we're celebrating 85 years of having Local 872 in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, I, I think going through our apprenticeship program and, and becoming a member of Local 872, we can bring you a, a bright future. Thank you, my friend. I wouldn't be here without you. You always step up for me, and uh, we got to thank Tom Hum, right? Definitely. How about how yeah. about Tom Hum and his history and legacy in this town and radio? The uh, uh, Tom Hum will never stop calling <laughs> to get me on the radio. Uh, that, you know, I got to love him for that because he's persistent. And um, you know, you need sometimes in life you need persistency to keep you know, going. Well, right? You know what connects us all is David Hum. May Definitely. rest in peace. So I did six years with David pre and post game, and I tell the story all the time for some of our new listeners who don't know David Hum. David Hum was a Bishop Gorman legend, yes. legend, the first ever individual inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Al Davis inducted him into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. I worked with him, and when he was ill at the end of his life, he still put those headsets on. And we would say, here's what we need you to do, David. Break down the other quarterback on the opposing team. And he would have six pages of notes on Steve McNair, whoever the quarterback was, and was so brilliant on the radio. I mean, he broke me in on Raiders Radio, and uh, his brother now working for us at Lotus, and you, and it's all a big family here. I'll, I'll never forget uh, uh, both my, myself and Mark, uh, Mark Bedane. We went to visit David in the hospital, and um, it was one of his last days that, that uh, he was alive and. Um, you know, believe it or not, he still had a smile on his face. Absolutely. And uh, he was a great man, and, and um, he did a lot of good for this team, a lot of good for this he town. He could tell a hell of a joke, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. Yeah, he Definitely could. could. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thank you, JT. There he is, Tommy White, as we get going here. I'm wrapping up this hour. Thanks again to the local 872 and everything that they do for us here. So, hour number one, we appreciate it. That's a pretty good hour. We get Violator, Paul Gutierrez, and Tommy White. Next hour, Harry Ruiz will anchor with me. Next hour, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, and also Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us with an update on what's happening here with the draft. Again, Raider Nation, if the Raiders had a pick here, if they had a top pick, everything would be a little bit different. I've been imploring everybody for the last two or three weeks, ever since I know we were going to get this remote, to just show up big, show up on the strip, wear black. Everybody here is wearing black. The Modelo jerseys are out. 
and everybody should be enjoying themselves because we're having a great day today, a great night tonight, same thing tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to be at Cafe Americano at Caesars, brought to you by Modelo. Raider Nation Unite, the notorious black hole is here, the Raider Nation, right here courtesy of Modelo.